Now, welcome to the Embark Mini-Pod, brought to you by Embark Group, as we take a snapshot look at some of the finer topics from across the industry. Now, today we're going to be talking about one of the key insights from the findings of the latest Embark Investor Confidence Barometer. The subject is robo-advice. It's a question, really, of whether the opportunity in this area is bigger than perhaps had been first realised. Perhaps why robo-advice might not be for who you think it's intended for. And joining me to talk about all this uh, is Toby Larkman, who's Chief Commercial Officer at Embark Platform. Toby, welcome. Thanks for being with us. Um, let me start off just, just a couple of very eye-catching statistics, I thought, from the barometer. 10% of advisors consider that they already offer robo-advice surprisingly few in some ways and only a fifth of firms however don't see robo advice as part of their proposition inside the next decade so i think that indicates that change is on the way so um let me begin toby then by asking you very fundamentally just so we got it on the table what exactly is robo advice and how widespread is it thanks roger so um robo robo advice takes many forms but at its simplest it's um, an online survey um, or an online questionnaire that a client fills out and inputs details about their financial situation. Um, and then it uses that data to offer um, advice and um, provide investment solutions to those clients. It does that by using a vice engine that's that's underwritten by a series of, of algorithms. Um, and in essence, it replaces the human advisor that you see in a more typical um, situation. And is it widespread in the industry at the moment? I mean, interesting figure that 10%, only 10% seem, say they already offer it, but but overall, do you get the impression that it's something that is is widespread now and getting more widespread? So it's not particularly widespread now. It has been talked about for a number of years, and it almost feels like um, it, it's been discussed for the, the best part of the last decade. And we've seen entrance into the space, and we've seen people exit the space, um, and what we haven't really seen is the mass move from face-to-face -face personal advice to to robo advice, um, which I think some commentators were expecting when you know the, the the prospect was first floated. We're starting to see a greater take up of robo advice, and we're certainly starting to see a greater um, market commentary in relation to it. But I wouldn't say it's something I would describe as particularly widespread just yet. I suppose the obvious point is it's it's cheaper, isn't it? Well, that's the theory, and I think. Like many theories, it has proven to be true in some cases, but not others. Um, there's a significant amount of upfront development cost, as you would expect. You need to build the advice engine. You need to make sure you've got the right permissions and you need to make sure that it works. So there's there's a very um, high testing overhead in getting all of this right. Once it's stood up, it's very, very cheap to run. Obviously, it's very little human interaction um, uh, from, a, from an advice perspective. So it's 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 low overhead cost, but high initial upfront startup costs. Now, what that means is you need to get a high volume of clients flowing through it to make it profitable. And we've not seen many robo-advisors manage to achieve that yet. Yeah, it's interesting. you talked about it being high upfront cost. I mean, I suppose the point then is, do you have the in-house capacity to do that or do you buy it in from outside? Well, I think that's, that's um, a really interesting point. So one of the things that we at Embark are looking at is building a, a white labourable version of a robo-advised advice engine that we could actually offer to advisors that could then white label it and offer it to their um, underlying clients or to new underlying clients. And because of that high upfront cost, most smaller advice firms will not be able to invest and, and develop this on their own. And there aren't that many options in the market that you can go and buy off the shelf as, as, as you would expect. 
So I certainly think that the, the initial development cost is a barrier to entry for lots of smaller firms. I also think that lots of the larger firms perhaps will, will have been reluctant to invest in this because until it's proven to actually be a commercial success, so until you can prove that you can get enough clients through the door to recoup that upfront cost, and you can prove that those clients both stay with you and grow uh, their investments, it's it's a relatively large gamble for a lot of firms. And I suppose then the question applies, well, who is it for? Who, who, who would take this up? Who would it appeal to? And there is a, a notion out there, I guess, that it attracts the perhaps less wealthy clients, you know, it, it, it's form filling rather than interacting necessarily. Um, is that right, do you think? Well, like like all um, answers, that it's both right and wrong. There will be a population of clients out there who are starting on their financial planning journey, who are tech savvy, who who understand the way technology can help them, who, who will engage with robo-advice. I, I think I'd, I'd, I'd question whether they really understand the value of the advice they're getting and therefore how big that market is. But there will absolutely be a population that fall into that camp, which I think is where a lot of traditional advisors are hoping to gain uh, new clients and new market share from. And I think some some will be successful. I suppose um, my um, personal view, though, is I actually think that the, the seven segment of the market that's going to engage with robo advice first will be perhaps those that already have an advisor they understand the value of advice they understand um that um that they need to make investment choices as they go through life and as their investment priorities change and they will perhaps be at the forefront of market developments because they are used to protecting their existing wealth and they will look at some of those robo advice solutions and say well, perhaps I might use that, maybe not for my whole portfolio, but I might use that to, say, manage my um, children's um, investments. Or perhaps I'll use it to manage a subset of my investments on one of my accounts. And they, and they will start to test the water and perhaps then move more of their wealth into, into a robo-advice solution. And that's because they'll be early adopters. So I certainly think that there are multiple pockets across the industry of, of particular client segments who will engage with robo-advice as a product. I'm just not sure that any of us yet have the answer as to how much they'll engage and what the impact that will be on the industry. Yeah, because I could put the, the contrary point and say, I suppose that there are people out there who don't get advice currently um, who might say, well, I don't necessarily want to sit down with an advisor, but you know, a slightly anonymous computer can fill in a few things online. Maybe there's no harm in that. So it might appeal to that market. I think it, it absolutely will appeal to some people in that market. I think that market perhaps isn't as uh, well informed as to what the difference between advice and, and guidance is. And I don't think that market is perhaps as, as as well informed as to what the potential options out there are for them. And that's probably because they are at the start of their, their financial planning journey and they don't have um, as much investable assets as, as perhaps older and uh, clients. And therefore, they will engage. But but how how they will engage, I think, is still open for debate. Some of them absolutely will do their research, will be used to engaging with technology, and will understand that there is a benefit to be gained from, from engaging with a robo-advisor. But I think a lot of them will still start with that same question the industry has battled with for the last 20 years, which is, what is the real value of advice? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting point, I suppose, because, I mean, I, it's, it's an awkward term, but I could say, could this sort of robo-advice be a kind of gateway drug to proper advice, to, to well, that's the wrong term, perhaps, but first personal advice actually talking to an advisor say so actually bring in a new group of people altogether i think that's the big hope and i think that that will prove true uh, in in some parts i certainly think that the, the one of the battles that the industry faces is 
um, how to bridge that advice gap. And Robo Advice has long been touted as one of the solutions to to that advice gap. Uh, and, and in some parts, I think it will be successful. I think that there's a probably a far greater proportion of the market though where the jury's still out. So it's always easier to sell something to people who understand the value of what it is they're trying to buy. Um, oh, sorry, what, who understand the value it is of what it is you're trying to sell. Now, uh, most of the market out there who as yet haven't engaged with advisor, whether robo or human, uh, they don't really know the value of advice. And I think the onus is on the industry to demonstrate that value to them and also demonstrate that they can access that value through a potentially lower cost solution like a robo advisor, which can then start attracting them into the industry. I think the big challenge will then be, well, how do you then demonstrate as the advisor what the value add on is? So. Sorry. No, well, I was gonna I was just gonna throw in where well, we talked obviously about the clients there. What about the advisors though in all this, the other side of it? How keen are they gonna be or how keen are they on on having this a, as an available option? Well, I think if you could go to any advisor firm and say, here's a white label or advice engine that you can buy in, you can use to um operate at a low cost and attract new clients into your organization. I think most advisors would would jump at that chance because the potential for growth with that new client base is is significant. And I think as long as we've removed the, the, the barrier to entry by removing the need for the significant upfront cost, it's almost a, 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 a no loss um, scenario for them. I also think it represents an opportunity for them to perhaps cut some of their own internal costs to make the wider business more profitable. So if you're onboarding clients through the advice engine and those clients are inputting their own details and those details are then API back through into into your own systems. It means you're saving yourself a fair amount of administration cost across the board when that client becomes a, a full client later on. So I think advisors will be pretty receptive to the idea. It will very much depend on what their underlying client base is and, and where they're targeting. And I guess also their confidence in 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 the robo advice in the algorithm, if you like. How good is it? Um, because the last thing you want to do, I suppose, is to put clients off uh, potentially by uh, a system that doesn't work as it should. Absolutely. And I think that this comes back to um, the advice engine has to be um, very well invested in and tested rigorously. It is um, needs to be provided by a, a, a regulated entity with the right permissions. It needs to have the right advice permission. So you need absolute faith in the underlying technology to make sure that it is demonstrating the right outcomes for clients. Now, most advisors will have an investment strategy they will adopt for their different client banks. And they will need to be comfortable that the, the investment strategy that the advice engine is recommending aligns to the same strategy that they would. I think that's a challenge that, that, that lots of firms will need to get comfortable with over the next few years. Yeah, because it's got to kind of dovetail with everything else they're doing, hasn't it? That's the point. Um, you know, advice versus guidance, the whole, the whole way that the, the proposition exists. Absolutely. And most advisors will already have in their mind um, an investment strategy uh, for their clients. They will also have in their mind a target client base and an acquisition strategy. How Robo plays into that, if they're not going to develop it themselves and they're going to buy it off the shelf from a third party, I think is a bit of a challenge because they are relinquishing an element of control because it's no longer their own personal advice. It's the advice of an underlying engine and a set of, a set of algorithms. And I think that's going to be a huge cultural change for a lot of people. 
So kind of looking forward then, because I think we've got to look in the next decade, two decades perhaps, because almost inevitably the pace of change is going to be slow. Do you see a hybrid model? What shape of hybrid model between robo and, and, and human advice? How do you see it playing? I absolutely see a, a hybrid model. And I, I suppose I would liken this to um, the internet and the and the decline in the high street. It was called, what, probably in the late 90s, early 2000s? But the impact came 20 years later. And I think the industry has been calling for um, a change, for a shift from human advice to robo advice for at least the last five years. And I think we'll still be saying the same thing in five years time. It will come and it will be slow, but it will build speed. And then at some point we will end up with, perhaps it's in 20 years time, a client base that's holding a significant proportion of the wealth in this country who are used to engaging digitally are quite comfortable with that as a scenario and only want human interaction for very specific um, life events. And I think we'll see that shift at some point over the next 20 years. I wouldn't want to call precisely when, but I think it's probably at the, the, the latter half of that spectrum than the early. Why do you think it will be so slow, though? Because surely we are right, we're in the, the period where people say, oh, there's an innovation out there, let's grab it. Why, why would that not happen more quickly in the next two or three years, for example? Because I think the innovation is quick. And I think the new entrants into the market will adapt to that innovation. And I think there will be some legacy advice clients who will be early adopters who will, who will adapt to that. But wealth transfer is generally relatively slow. So... I think it will be the speed at which wealth transfers to the population of clients that are prepared to accept robo-advice that will drive the speed at which it is picked up, rather than the development of technology itself. And I suppose the awkward question with any form of uh, innovation, is it going to mean fewer advisors? Are advisors basically um, going to have fewer jobs available to them because the machines, the algorithms are taking over some of that market? I, look, I, I think that's the fear, and I think that's the fear that many industries have had. Um, when you start looking at how does technology interact with with manual work, uh, I think it just means that jobs will change. So you might not need as many people um, providing the advice on an ongoing basis in 20 years time, but you'll need just as many people to provide the human interaction where it's required to oversee the, digi the digital advice and to, to undertake other roles in the industry. And let's face it, robot advice is, is primary objective is going to be to grow the size of the advised industry. So I don't see this as a threat to jobs. I see this as a potential growth for jobs. So overall, it could actually be a mechanism for increasing the size of the industry, including advisors. I think that's I think that's the great hope. I think there's a there's a, a, a proportion of, of people in this country who don't access advice and need it. And robo advice has to be one of the tools that we use to bring them in to advice when they do need it. And by default, that will grow the size of the advised industry. Which is what I guess everybody wants. Toby, thank you so much for being with me today. That is it from this Embark mini-pod. My thanks to Toby Larkman, Chief Commercial Officer at Embark Platform, for fascinating insights into the whole robo-advice area. Much to think about. Anyway, I'll be back with more mini-pods. I'm Roger Hearing for now. Thanks for listening and goodbye. Thank you.